good to have you with us this morning. At some point in our lives, most people have to answer three questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what should I do with my life? The Church of Jesus Christ is, is much the same. It, it has to, at some point, answer each of those three questions. Who am I? That's the question of identity, the, the essence of what the church is. Why are we here? That has to do with the function and the role that the church is going to play in the world. And what should I be doing? What form, what shape should we take so that we can be the best possible instruments in, in God's hands that we can. There's three important questions for the church, essence, function, and form. And over these weeks, that's exactly what we're exploring. Last week, you, you might recall, I stood in a vineyard and we were looking at John 15 and the essence of what the church is. Each of us are a branch belonging to the vine, but collectively all part of the same vine, the body of Christ, of which he is the, he is the head. This week we're going to talk about the function of the church and we're going to uh, turn to Ephesians chapters 4 and 5 where Paul explains a little bit of the, the outworking of grace uh, through God's church in order to accomplish his purposes. So if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 and, and right there in the very first verse, verse 1, it's a wonderful little reflection of the calling on your life and my life, indeed, all of us as, as God's church. Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? You have received a calling. There is a calling on your life. And in chapters 2 and 3, uh, Paul is, is, is teaching about this gospel of grace which has changed everybody's lives, everybody who calls themselves a, a Christian, a child of God. We've all been transformed by grace. And through, throughout chapters 2 to 3 in particular, Paul is explaining the impact of this gospel of grace. It's a, it's a marvelous thing. It truly is, is amazing. Um, part of the, the role of the church, one of the important functions is to just keep teaching and teaching and teaching relentlessly this gospel of grace. You know the word grace, but do we really know grace, know it at its core? Because when we, when we try to explore it to plummet's depths, we come to an understanding which helps us draw closer and closer to the Father heart of God. Grace truly is amazing. It is by grace that you and I have been saved. It is by grace that we are kept, and whenever we fall down, it's by grace that we are picked up again. Grace has transformed your life and it's transformed my life and it leaves us different forevermore. Grace is the means by which we become children of God. And this gospel of grace is what we must keep teaching each other. And we do it in so many different ways, don't we? We, we talk about the wonder of grace and how you are now free in Christ. We even talk about how it should transform our spirituality, our spiritual life, and, and that should be reflected through emotional health, again, because of grace. You see, grace transforms every single aspect of our, of our lives, so we should keep teaching and talking about this amazing grace. Now, I know that there are some people who, they're scared that a grace can be abused. There's too much talk about grace. Grace can be abused. What do you think? 
God doesn't know that? Of course he does. He knows our propensity to abuse every good thing. But that doesn't mean he turns the tap off, and neither should you or I. Grace truly is amazing, and we should let it, let it flow. And in fact, that's what Paul is saying here in chapter 4, verse 1. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. You have received grace? Now live it out. Let that grace flow in and, and through your, your life. In verse 7, in particular, Paul now is talking about the, the outworking of grace um, through our lives to, to one another to accomplish God's purposes. Now, here's where we come to the, to the function of the church. What is it that the church should be doing? Well, the, the church should be a, be a, a big um, floodgate that is opening up the grace of God to flow to one another and, and to the rest of the world. There are two things that Paul talks about here as products of grace. It will build up God's church and it will light up the world. Firstly, note in verse 7, Paul says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Sometimes as Christians, I, I fear that we, we're sitting around waiting for a gift of grace to, to come to us. But verse 7 actually says it's already been given. Christ has already apportioned it. Grace actually has been given. And it's quite possible that God is simply waiting for you to give away what you, what you already have before he, he now gives you the next gift to give away and so on and so forth. Grace has already been given as Christ apportioned it. Um, let me make a couple of comments about just the nature of, of ministry. Uh, some of you know um, many years ago our family served on board the MV Doulos, Operation Mobilization Ship the Doulos. We served there for three years. I've got to tell you, it was exhausting. I said to some people, it was like going on a, on a church family camp for three years. <laughs> and by the time we left the ship and waved goodbye, tears in our eyes, uh, went, went into to town there we're in South Africa at the time, hopped on a plane and, and lifted off. When we had the kids, all four kids settled into their seats and could finally take a breath. We looked at each other and, and said, wow, this feels so surreal. Here we are. That was exhausting, the most exhausting thing we've probably done in all of our lives. As we left the ship, I recalled that, that somebody had given us a letter. It was somebody in a, in a little small group that we had on board the ship, a delightful little small group that we opened up our lives to, and they'd given us a letter and and we and you grabbed out the letter thinking that it was going to be a letter of encouragement. And we opened it up and we pulled out the letter and just reflecting on three years of giving and giving and giving. And we opened up this letter and this person who had written the letter um, basically uh, told us that, that they just felt that we didn't open up our lives enough. They were disappointed with us, that they had hoped for more. They were, they were wanting to be mentored by us and so forth. And we read through this letter and it was so discouraging. And we looked at each other and sort of thought, oh, did we disappoint? We disappointed them. Did we disappoint the Lord? Should we have done more? Could we have given more? And we were second guessing ourselves for a moment. And then we realized, oh, do you know, I think this, this poor person 
has, has confused what ministry is. They were looking to us for what only God could give them. Ministry doesn't always result in applause. In fact, sometimes ministry can result in a lot of disappointment. You think about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. He walked away sad. He was disappointed. And yet Jesus was smack in the middle of the Father's will. He'd done everything that he needed to do. At the, the heart of ministry, we need to understand it's not what we do for God, but it's what God is doing through us. We're the waiter. We're not the chef. We don't create these these gifts of grace to give to people. We are we're simply the waiter who delivers it. And people um, do well to remember that it is ultimately God that, that should be the focus of all true ministry. John the Baptist said it this way. He said, a man only has what has been given him from God. He said that when his own disciples were, were saying that, listen, everybody's going over to Jesus. And John just reflects, I only have what God has given me. Ministry is what God does through us, not what we, we do for God. So often in ministry, we, we feel like all we have is just a few loaves and a few fishes. Personally, most of the time, I feel like all I have is some breadcrumbs and some fish scales. Honestly, um, if God doesn't multiply the little that I have, uh, truly I understand, apart from me, you can do nothing. I have very little ultimately to, to give to anyone. But availability is, is often all that God asks, and that's at the heart of all, all ministry. Um, as Paul says, you know, it is so often when we are weak that we are actually at our strongest because God loves to make perfect those things which, which are weak. He loves to use weak vessels. So that's helpful to understand as we, as we look at the, the flow of grace. But the first, the first function of the church here is to allow grace to flow in order that the church is built up, to build up the church. That's the purpose. And through... Throughout chapter 4, that's what Paul is saying. In verse 7, grace has already been apportioned. Um, in verse 11, Christ himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, and for this purpose to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be, there it is, built up. Verse 13, and the objective here is, so that we would reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Um, again, the latter part of verse 16, the idea is that the whole body joined and, and, and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The first function of the church is to allow grace to flow in such a way that the body of Christ is, is built up. Um, one of the tests of all true ministry is, does this build up the body of Christ? Does this somehow help to adorn the bride? Earlier this year, um, my son Joel got married to Ginny and, and I had the privilege of looking at all of the preparations for the wedding. Ginny was surrounded in the days leading up to the wedding by bridesmaids whose um, sole purpose was to prepare the bride for her wedding. 
And it was fun to watch the way that Ginny's friends just gathered around her to, to make this possible. The sole focus was how can we get Ginny ready for her wedding, ready for that moment where she walks down the aisle towards her groom. It was a very special occasion. And it's a, a beautiful picture of why God gives particular gifts to the church. Um, the gift of apostleship, of pastoring or shepherding and, and teaching evangelism and the prophetic. He gives these gifts to the church in order to help equip the saints in order that the saints themselves can, can all have their particular gifting ignited and so the whole body gets built up. God gives particular gifts to particular people in order to adorn his bride, to get his bride ready for the wedding, to build up his church. John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus and, and so he was a little bit like an, an attendant to the groom. And his attitude was, I must become less so that he can become more. There is a sense in which as God, God gives us gifts to, to build up the body, we are like attendants to the bride. And our attitude should be the same. And that is to say, we must become less so that, so that she can become more, so that she can shine um, and be prepared, ready to meet Jesus. So one of the first functions of the church is to build itself up. Now, that sounds a little bit self-serving, but we'll see why in just a moment why that is not the case. But grace has been given in order to build up the church. It's a core function of what the church should be doing on a daily basis, building one another up and building itself up to be all that, that God would want us to be. The second function is to, to light up the world. Grace has been given to build up the church and grace has been given to light up the world. Um, look in, in verse 17. Um, Paul goes back to talking about the fruit of our lives and the way that we are growing and becoming more and more like Jesus. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do, he says in verse 17. In verse 20, that is not the way of life you learned. In verse 22, you were taught to put off your old self. Verse 23, to, to um, be made new in the attitude of your minds. Verse 24, to put on the new self. Chapter 5, verse 1, to follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And then in chapter 5, verse 8, uh, this is where it culminates, the fruit of our lives. This is where it is. God is showing the trajectory of where all this is going. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Have nothing to do, he says in verse 11, with the fruitless deeds of, of darkness, but rather expose them. Be very careful then, he says in uh, verse 15, how you live. You see, mission in the, in the New Testament works something like this. Um, we see it very, very plainly throughout you know, the book of Acts and that sort of thing. These little churches are planted everywhere. But now um, uh, Paul, um, uh, Peter, John, the writing to these various churches, they're writing and encouraging, encouraging them to, to live as, as, as light where they are. Paul's letters usually fall into, into two parts. The first part is what to believe, and the second part is how to live. So then how should we live? The first part has to do with understanding who you are, your identity in Christ. The second part is now live that out, walk that out, the fruit of your life. And that is missional. 
Um, each church is supposed to be like a little mini lighthouse in that community, shining light to the to the surrounding community, so that so that they can they can interpret the darkness and understand uh, the attractiveness of Jesus Jesus Christ. In a Kenyan slum, I recall going going into and preaching a little little church there, and as I as I sat there preparing um, my message, wondering who am I to to preach in this beautiful little church, my eyes fell upon the, this verse up on the wall. What, what verse of scripture do you think you might find um, for, a, for a little church in a, in, a, in a slum area in Africa? Well, they'd chosen Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine that others will see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. Isn't that beautiful? There, there was this, this, this little church, beautiful, precious little church, um, there in, in one of the darkest areas of, of Kenya, right near an airport. In, in a few years' time, uh, that, that slum would absolutely be bulldozed and all those, those people dispersed. But for that time, that church was a shining light in that community and its mission was very, very clear. When you look up into the night sky, what do you see? Well, if it's not cloudy, of course, you probably probably said stars. Isn't that interesting? Relative to the number of stars, there's a whole lot of black there. But very few people look up on a cloudless night and say, look at all that black. Most of the time we look up and say, look at those beautiful stars. That, in Philippians, is how Paul says the church should be. They should be like stars in the, in the night sky. Um, we know from the Magi, it's, it's through stars that they were guided to, to the baby Jesus. And likewise, stars in the night sky were to point to, to Jesus. And the church itself is to be this wonderful constellation that can be used by all mankind to navigate their way to God. The grace of God primarily flows through each of us in order to help the church fulfill two important functions. Firstly, to help build up his church. And then secondly, to light up the world. That's why the church exists. Those are her key functions. As we think about what our church should look like in the coming months and indeed years, we should remember those two biblical functions. Whatever we do, whatever we do, it should build up the church and it should help us to light up the world around us as well. For Paul, everything has to do ultimately with the glory of God. In fact, he starts out in his letter to the Ephesians by saying just that in verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and so on and so on and so on. It all has to do with the, the glory of God. And so our vision as a church hasn't changed. It remains the same and its purpose is very, very clear. As abiding disciples of Jesus Christ, we do. We desire to live fruitful lives so that our God is seen for who he really is. We want to glorify God. We want him to be seen for who he really is. So, so let us as the Vine Baptist Church, as we think about our future and what that might look like, let's, let's keep that 
that purpose in mind, that ultimately we are here to glorify God. That's why we're here. That's why he hasn't taken us as home yet. Let's be a, a constellation of stars that help people navigate their way to God. That'd be a life well spent, wouldn't it? <laughs> Would you love to give the rest of your life to that cause? And hey, we get to do it together as the family of God. God bless you. Thank you so much um, for joining us. And let's continue to pray that we will press into God's purposes for us as a church.